Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could have edited that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny B. Today, I'm at the Words on the Waves Writers' Festival at Surf Club Lifesaving Club at Umina, and it's beautiful out here, but there will be festival noise, but I think that that's okay. It all just adds to the atmosphere, I think. Now today I have David Hunt. David Hunt is the author of the best-selling and award-winning Gert, the unauthorised history of Australia and true Gert, and Gert Nation, which will be released later this year around November. David is also a children's book author, television presenter and fellow podcaster. Welcome, David. That's all very impressive. Oh, thanks, Danny. <laughs> I want to ask you first. Yep. Podcast. Tell me about this. Yeah, okay. I did a podcast with ABC Radio back when podcasts were in their, their infancy. Uh, called Rum Rebels and Ratbags. So it was a meander through some of Australia's Australian history's uh, more interesting uh, stories in the, the early years of New South Wales as a colony, largely. Love it. Well, thank you for paving the way for podcasts. Now everyone listens to one. I oh, know. I feel like the grand old man of podcasting. <laughs> Maybe you can give me a few tips. <laughs> um, and television presenter. Tell me about this before we get into books. Oh, look, I, I was uh, a presenter on a, a show called Aussie Inventions That Changed the World. And I wore an Akubra and I talked about sheep. Uh, and uh, no, I talked about uh, various Australian inventions, some of which actually changed the world. Really? Can mm. you tell me which one? Oh, look, um, a prepaid postage was tried for the first time ever in in uh, in Sydney in 1838, before the penny black stamp in in Britain, and that transformed world communication. The idea of paying for a a, a letter when you sent it. Mm. 
which was so much more efficient than a postman hanging around on your doorstep waiting to get paid by the recipient of a letter, which was how it worked beforehand. It's very interesting that what seems to be such a simple idea is such mm. an important idea. Well, not only not only did it transform post, it actually meant that postal services got huge amounts of revenue which they invested in building, you know, the grand post offices we see in Australian towns today. And it was the biggest money-spinning part of government at the time. So, uh, yeah, huge, huge change. Very interesting. And I love it. We've gone off on this tangent before we've even touched books, but that's what it's all about, isn't no it? No worries. I, I knew that you're an interesting man, David, so I needed to, to delve into that stuff first. Now, your books, I don't know if you're calling it a gir- trilogy, but there's going to be three. Well, they're, they're, <laughs> the road I'm going, I'm, uh, there may be five or six. But uh, but certainly uh, there will be at least three. That's fantastic. Can you give us a bit of a rundown elevator pitch? I don't know mm. if you want to talk about them as a series or you want to talk about the one that's coming out. Just give us an idea of what the book's about. Look, they're a narrative history of Australia. Uh, starting Gert starts 65,000 years ago uh, with with Aboriginal, uh, the first Aboriginal uh, people who arrived uh, on these fair shores. Uh, and, and ends with the sort of official naming of Australia in, in, as Australia in, in 1924. Uh, 1824, sorry. Uh, and uh, Trugert is a frontier tale, the opening up of the frontier, those brave pioneers wandering out into the bush with their sheep uh, and looks at um, uh, explorers, bushrangers, and uh, a significant part of that book is the, the impact of that expanding wave of settlement uh, on Indigenous Australians as well. Mm-hmm. And Gert Nation, uh, available in all good bookstores from uh, November of this year, uh, is a story of how the Australian colonies came together and how the Australian state uh, arose uh, and the various um, factors that impacted on that, uh, the rise of the women's movement, the rise of the labour movement, uh, the role that literature and poetry mm. played in forging an Australian national identity. Mm. I mm. love the sound of that, particularly that last one about the literature and the arts. Oh, it's, it's, I, 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 I've actually found myself quoting large chunks of, um, of early Australian poetry in this wow. book. It's, um, uh, so in that sense, it is quite different to the yeah. others. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, looking at how poetry in particular was used to develop this notion that the Australian was a creature of the bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots of poems about horses, lots of poems about shearers, uh, and how this was really a very deliberate part of creating a, a nationalist identity separate to that of, of, of the British identity. Mm, that is very interesting mm. because that's how we look at the past, don't we? We look at our arts and what was written yeah. and then we sort of try and sh- figure yeah. out what truth comes from that. From Tom that Roberts, you think of Tom Roberts, he was good at painting sheep. <laughs> Uh, so again, part of that sort of the Heidelberg School creating a, a new sort of impressionist form of, of, of art in Australia with, with bush scenes, uh, you know, big bearded blokes sitting on logs, uh, sheep. Uh, it, it was also instrumental in forging this national consciousness. Mm, well, it's a very interesting and it's an important story or important stories, of course, but why was it important for you to tell? Uh, look, mainly because I'm hoping that somebody actually pays me money to write. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a literary whore. Writer's I write dream. for the money. Uh, so, look, I, I fell into writing accidentally and it 
it it beats my or it, it beats my former day job. Which, so, which was? So oh, you have was, so many. I, I was <laughs> I was a, a public servant and and lawyer. Okay. So um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and it's it's my one of the reasons why I keep on writing is to avoid ever having to wear a suit in anger again. <laughs> I love that, a suit in anger. Now, I think that's, you know, a picture book mm. in the making, I think, mm. wearing a suit in anger. But now that, you know, we've, we've gone down that path, I want to ask you, because you're also a children's author. Yeah, look, I did. I, I, um, I'm, I'm the father of, of, of two children. Uh, and when one of them was younger, he was an enthusiastic nose picker. <laughs> And and, and so I came up with, with a story called The Nose Pixies, which is a cautionary tale where a father tells his son, who's a compulsive nose picker, that effectively he's putting the hard-working fairies who clean his nostrils out of a job and that they are going to be punished when they go back to their fairy <laughs> kingdom uh, without the nose gold that they're expected to go out and mine. Uh, and, um, and, you know, he appeals to his son's... Uh, conscience uh, that basically, you know, stop picking your nose so the fairies can do their job for you. Very important message for children. Yeah, very important. <laughs> very, very, very important piece of literature that one. It does sound like a departure from, you know, the, the history that you've yeah. been writing. Was it was it a fun? Was it a relief to kind of delve in and out of these? Things? Well, look, it, it was, and 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 I'm not meant to say this uh, as a writer because I know that lots of children's book authors. Um, spend an immense amount of time and energy writing their books. I, I enjoyed this because for me it was about ten days worth of work, mm-hmm. and so uh, it was it was a nice break. Uh, and and I did love the side of things, seeing somebody else um, bringing the story to life and illustrate yeah. it. Because when you write, look, it's 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 on you. It's your vision. Uh, you know, editors have have a say. But at the end of the day, you're accountable for everything. Mm. Uh, with, with a children's picture book, um, uh, your story um, uh, can, can be interpreted in all sorts of different ways and brought to life visually in all sorts of different ways. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that process. Mm. I love the idea of the two parallel stories in a picture book. So you've got the writing and then you've got the illustrations and they yeah. often tell different stories to complement each other and I love that. Oh, it's, 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 I found it you know, really interesting because they, you know, the publishers often, if, the, if the, the writer and the illustrator don't know each other, there's a desire for the publisher to act as a, as a, a filtering system mm. between the two. So if there are competing visions, these two strangers aren't sort of sending angry emails to each other. <laughs> this is so, my vision. <laughs> this is, so, so it's all uh, very carefully uh, moderated through the publisher. You get some, some early sketches, you provide some comments, the illustrator provides some comments, and it's, uh, you know, it, it was an interesting and enjoyable process. Mm, oh, I've, I'm fascinated by that, and I read picture books in both ways, like just using the words and just using the pictures, yeah. which I know they do in, in schools as well for young kids. So what is your writing process? I mean, you talked about 10 days for the picture book. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it took you more than 10 days to write your other books, uh, right? Look, well, I, I made the mistake uh, last time of... I took a year out just to decide whether I wanted to write a third history book, signed a contract and said... This time, because the last one I felt very rushed at the back end, mm-hmm. I'm going to give myself um, uh, four years. So I had, I had to produce it in four years. 
And that meant, of course, for two years I did nothing. Uh, <laughs> and 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 so I'm in the same situation. Uh, I love that. As as I was last time. Do you think time. you've been thinking about it though? Do you think it'll all come out? Oh look, I've got I've got another. What day are we today? We are the twelfth. I've got another eighteen days okay. to finish this book. Feeling confident? Uh, look, I'm 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 putting in um, sort of you know twelve and fourteen hour days, pretty pretty regularly at the moment. I'm um, I'm at the back end. I've got I've got a sort of chapter really to go. Okay. So uh, yeah, no, it's 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 looking doable. <laughs> I've no doubt. Now, with all the research that you mm. need to do for these mm. books, do you feel like you do all the research first and then you write, or you do? Yeah. So, um, uh, it's it's the book at the end is off is often very different to the book that I envisage at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so, you do a chunk of research at the front end, um, and then build on that as you go. So, um, for instance, I tended to read most of the stuff around Federation at the back end of the... I, I was writing stuff mm-hmm. about earlier happenings before I did much research into Federation in 1901. Um, and I find that if you spend do all of the research at the front end, you just drown... Yeah. in the information yeah. and where I know that there's a self-contained topic at the moment I'm writing about the Boxer Rebellion in China uh, because there were Australian troops over there at the time of, of, of Federation um, uh, I know that that's a self-contained story yeah. and I can uh, research that um, I, I knew a little bit about it, did a little bit of research, but the detailed research is at the back end. Yeah, no, that mm. makes sense. Otherwise, it just seems like there's probably too much, and where do you start? And, and also, you feel sort of over... It's you've, Sometimes you've just got to get some words on a page. Yeah, right. Otherwise, no otherwise it just piles yeah. up and, and feels overwhelming. So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, research right, research right. Yeah, research at least right. having words on the page, you can sort of feel progress is happening. Yeah. And and a lot of, a lot of writing, particularly with history, where... You know, you're dealing with a set narrative. You're dealing with things that happened. Often you'll find something in, you know, 1895 that resonates with something in 1875 mm-hmm. and then you'll go back and rewrite the 1875 yep. bit. Yep. So it's, it's a, it is an iterative yep. process. But there's yeah. nothing worse than a blank page, right? That, no, no that's, that, that, that is correct. <laughs> now, I know you said that you're writing so you don't have to ever be an angry suit again, mm. but I just want to ask you, as I ask all the guests on the podcast, why do you write? Is there a reason beyond that? Uh, yeah, look, I think um, I, I, I enjoy it most of the time, so it's something that I do. I don't feel this overwhelming compulsion to write mm-hmm. but I do I do enjoy it as 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 a pursuit as a profession um, but also one of the things I'm interested in doing is communicating Australian history to uh, perhaps a broader audience um, than, than would normally read Australian history um, and uh, I, I combine history with 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 satire, it's a, these are historians who say they are apolitical, uh, 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 universally liars, <laughs> uh, and and so for me, I think my politics are reasonably clear in my writing. But I I I do write from a particular 
perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's useful to to educate Australians about their past so they can understand their present better. Mm-hmm. And so I have a sense of mission about that. I like that. I like it a lot. And it's important because we need to learn from history keep learning from history and probably you know sometimes do a bit better sometimes yeah i think i think um you know i've got this sort of utilitarian approach to history that history has a purpose it's not to recount the past solely it's to understand the present and also to plot the directions that you choose in the future Mm, absolutely well that was 15 minutes of you know one of the most fascinating chats i've had i think we've covered a lot of ground david so we've covered the nose picking podcasting tv presenting angry suits we've got it all we have we have and you've got that beautiful podcast voice as well oh thank you i really enjoy that you haven't lost that at all oh well Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and enjoy this beautiful view. We're sitting outside. My last mm-hmm. one that I did interview. It's bloody freezing here. Oh, it is not. It's beautiful. Last interview I did was in the kitchen. So mm. this is much more enjoyable. Okay. No, so, I, if you. you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. It's not a hot out here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks.